0: Welcome back to Chasing Perfection a Yukon Women's Basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. The season is underway. Yukon Women's Basketball defeated Arkansas 95 to 80 on Sunday. They're 1 and 0 heading down to the Bahamas next weekend for the Battle for Atlantis tournament. But before we get to that, Sailor Poffenbarger will enter the transfer portal and leave the program. The school announced that on Monday. Really, it's not all that surprising. Maybe the timing of it is a little odd, as we just joked before the show. Why not take a free trip to the Bahamas and then decide you're leaving? Or the other thing that I haven't seen or known the answer to, I'm kind of imagining that she's just leaving right now. But if my knowledge of Yukon's schedule is correct and it stayed the same since when I was in college, you have... This week before Thanksgiving, there's Thanksgiving break, and then it's either just two weeks or a week of classes and finals or two weeks of classes and finals. So unless everything is online for her or unless she's just staying at UConn until the end of the semester and not playing with the team, but you're still living with the team. I don't know. I figured you just finish out the semester, keep those credits, and then go somewhere else. Like, are you really... I mean, I guess four weeks is a long time five weeks is a long time to continue practicing when you know you're going to leave but. I don't know academically it just feels like you could at least stay a semester ahead if you don't leave in the middle of it, I don't know if she is or not, but that was just one of my first thoughts.
1: I think I read it. I don't remember if it was in the current or in the article that was in like her local home newspaper where her mom commented on UConn, where it said that I think she was going to finish out the semester academically, but would no longer be a part of the team. Basically, sounded like effective immediately.
0: Uh, Okay. Yeah. I quickly glanced through that story looking for her mom's quotes. Oh, yeah. Poffenbarger will remain at UConn to finish the semester, but she'll no longer be on the basketball team. Okay. Well, if I just read the story that we would have that out <laughs> a little bit quickly anyways. Yeah. It's, it's really not that surprising. I know I would said that, okay, you can't judge her on what happened in the semester last year because she was getting adjusted to the team. Obviously she didn't look good. Then she got injured all summer and we hadn't really seen her and she had never really gotten healthy this fall, but then you start hearing things. And I think it was last week. That I started to hear some stuff and my immediate thought was yeah she's she's not lasting very long. Her mom made some interesting comments to the local paper so this is the quote that she gave the paper quote it's been a conversation it's not all basketball the academic side wasn't super engaging there wasn't much to campus life there wasn't the ability to get out and meet a lot of people unfortunately that part of college life that part wasn't happening for her and then she added later it was just the fact that the whole package was not the right fit unfortunately That's what happens sometimes. There's a lot, a lot to unpack here. So I think the first part of it is she's been, I don't even know like how to the extent that she's in in in-person classes or how much UConn's players may or may not be restricted by COVID restrictions, but she got here in January when the team couldn't do anything besides hang out with themselves and all classes were online and everything like that. I don't know how much they took classes in person over the summer. So realistically, she's had, what, two and a half months of in-person classes. So to say that the academic side wasn't super engaging, that's a vague quote to begin with. But we both went to UConn. We know it's not just a very free ride. You show up and you get the A. You really got to work for it. I don't know. That's just a very weird quote. Was it just the classes she was in? Did she just not like the way the classes were taught? I don't know, that part stood out to me as just odd, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess she's probably in gen eds. I can't say that all my gen ed classes, like, significantly engaged me as a freshman. But, like, right. I mean, that's going to be your experience, I think, anywhere. So I don't know that that's, like, a UConn problem as much as just, like, that part of college.
0: <laughs> yeah, unless you want to go to a small school where every single class is going to be 15 kids and you get to know your professors. Like you're taking those big gen eds and the lectures, there's 200 kids. Yeah. You have discussions on Fridays or whatever they are with a TA, but that are supposed to engage you. But yeah, that's just kind of like college. And then there wasn't much to campus life and there wasn't an ability to get out and meet a lot of people. Okay. Did you not know you were signing up to play in stores? Like that's, That's kind of part of the deal when you go to UConn. You know, you're not going to the center of nightlife. You know, you're not going to be in the most happening place in the world. And again, you came to campus in the middle of COVID and you're playing basketball. How many athletes even have the chance to be part of campus life and get out and meet a lot of people? The whole thing with athletes is that they're only friends with other athletes, partially because they want to be, but also just because that's how their schedules kind of dictate. So, Just two very odd parts of that quote, unless she just wants a campus that's going to be in a city where you can go out a lot more and there's more going on and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I just don't understand how you can be at a normal UConn operating somewhat normally for two and a half months and be able to make a full decision on it's not right. But again, you're also there to play basketball. That's the other part that kind of gets me. You're there to play basketball. You're at the best basketball program in the country. And I don't know, It, it's it's her prerogative if she doesn't want to have basketball be the only part of her college career. But so I guess it does make sense to do it somewhere at UConn. I, I should make it clear, I have no problem with her transferring. And these may not even be Sailor's true feelings. It could be her mom embellishing it a little bit. It could be her mom being upset at UConn and things of that nature, but just from the understanding that we have from these couple of lines of quotes, it's all just a little weird.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like ultimately maybe it just wasn't the best fit for her and that's fine. Like she should transfer go someplace that's going to be a better fit and she's going to be happier. But I agree that the quotes are a little weird and like, yes, UConn is not the, like, it's not New York city, but if you want to meet people and go out, there's plenty of ways to, to find Ways to do that, speaking from experience. <laughs> so, right I think, yeah, it's, I mean, and also you're coming off of an experience that just like was not a true college experience, no matter where you were last year. So, I think that's part of it, too. But yeah, the quotes are just a little weird. Like, ultimately, it sounds like it wasn't the right fit for her. I'm glad she's making the decision early, gets to go someplace that's hopefully going to be a better fit. But yeah, the, there was really no need to take a shot at UConn as a whole. <laughs>
0: In yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Like, totally fine. Like, pl- players transfer all the time. There's no issue there, and it it very well just could be her mom taking out some of her feelings about how it didn't work out at UConn. So, can't really say. Having said that, it does align with some stuff that we heard, and it doesn't reflect all that great on Sailor. <laughs> But anyways, to move on to the Arkansas game, to get on to basketball, Sailor's gone. UConn now has 13 players on their roster. Doesn't really change anything with the rotation, but UConn beats Arkansas 95 to 80. Little harder than I think we both expected it to be, but at the same time, it never really felt like UConn was in danger of losing that game. Arkansas did get it within four a couple times, once or twice, maybe even three at one point. Once pagebackers got going, it wasn't close, so. Not to spoil your one big takeaway, but what do you got from the Arkansas game?
1: Yeah, I mean, it became the Paige Becker show, which as someone that hasn't really seen her play in person other than an exhibition game, it was very fun to watch the Paige Becker show up close in person, but maybe doesn't speak as well for the fact that we've talked so much about how much depth is on this team and they kind of needed Paige to go off for 34 points to win the game. Um, Just a really incredible game from Paige and herself. And I think as I like am now a couple days removed from it, I think it concerns me less. I think right off the bat, I was kind of like, well, this looks like last year, which is not maybe what we wanted to see to start off the season. But I do, in a way, I think it also shows that and I'll, we'll get to it, but I don't think that like the, them not showing depth is going to be a consistent problem. And it does show that, hey, this team still has Paige Beckers and come March when you've got a whole bunch of teams that have all this depth and things like that, I think that's going to be your difference maker. Obviously, Becker showed that she's capable of stepping up and taking over the game as she was all year last year.
0: Took me one week for my prediction about how I think you kind of win the national championship because they have Paige Beckers and nobody else does. Starts to hold water because how many other players in the country can do that? That was the easiest 34 points scored I've ever seen. I mean, she barely broke a sweat. And the most incredible part is not only did she not score in the first quarter, she scored all of those points in a span of 23 minutes and 51 seconds, (laughs) that quickly. So she basically just woke up, rolled out of bed and decided she was going to drop 34. That's what makes it so incredible. It'd be one thing if she scored 34 throughout the entire game, but to do it in that small of a window, it just shows you what kind of player she is. And yeah, like you said, I didn't really look at the performance and think, wow, this isn't what we expected. This team might be in trouble. This is not going to be what it is every single night. I think there's a lot of factors that we can kind of get into about why it was like that. But really, I'm not concerned. And I think it's more of a positive than anything that Paige can still do this. I don't think I was ever worried, but at least now it's confirmed that, yeah, she's still really good, as Gino said, post game.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Still very good. I mean, some of those shots, like being able to sit where we were at Excel, right behind the basket. And like there's like five defenders in the lane and it doesn't matter to her at all. She's just like somehow gets it in the hoop. It's really incredible to watch.
0: Yeah. And that's what makes this team so dangerous is you think back to the Arizona game and it felt like when it happened that she had a bad game and she still scored what, 18 points? (laughs) Like ridiculous. So if you just get Avena Westbrook as she did. Kristen Williams, and then a couple of the bigs, one of the bigs playing well, and Paige doesn't have every single defender trying to stop her, then suddenly, how do you stop UConn? If Paige is able to do that because the defense isn't putting all the attention on her, or if they are putting all the attention on her, she can just make whatever pass she wants, someone else is going to be open, and they're going to be able to score. So she just adds such a dangerous element to the game. It's just it's so much fun watching her when she's in that mode, when she's bringing the ball up, she doesn't care if you're going to stop her because she's going to score anyways. I, I can't say how many players I've seen with that ability to just truly, truly, truly score at will. And it makes me remember those days of those two, three years post Brianna Stewart, specifically I'm thinking of the second Notre Dame final four game in Tampa where UConn was up. I want to say nine with like seven minutes left And then UConn all of a sudden couldn't hit a shot. And Enrique Agumbawali could hit every shot. So that's a spot where UConn really could have used someone that could hit a shot in a big moment. They didn't have it. They lost. They have it in Paige Beckers now. I just think that is so, so valuable. Not to repeat myself five times. But yeah, that's just... It makes a huge difference, especially in tight games, as we saw last season against South Carolina.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean... I think Gino always says, like, winning a championship is a lot of luck, and you have a lot more luck when you've got a player like Paige Becker on your roster that's just going to step up and perform and shine in the big moments and can put the team on her back, like we saw her do uh, on Sunday.
0: So, for my one big takeaway, I want to talk about why Paige Becker's had to do that and the fact that the depth that we've talked so much about, I have written so many words about, did not materialize against Arkansas. Paige played the entire game. Kristen Williams and Avina Westbrook played the entire second half. I believe Avina played 38 minutes. Kristen played 36 total. Aside from those three, it was more or less just luck of the draw. No one else really consistently did a whole lot throughout the game. Aliyah Edwards and Olivia Nelson Adoto were in foul trouble. Dorka Juhasz just never got it going. Nika Mule played a decent amount, but was really just kind of unspectacular, I thought. AZ Fudd seemed nervous. Never really got into a rhythm. Caroline Ducharm had a couple moments actually in the first half, but ended up not playing in the second half. So not what you want, but I don't think I'm concerned about it. I think a lot of it had to do with either recurring problems that we've seen a lot and in theory should be fixed in the fouls with Nelson Adota and Edwards. Can just one of them decide not to get into a foul trouble in a game? like, I think it's a little too much to say that both of them need to stop getting in foul trouble. That's, that's a little too much to ask. Can just one of them try not being in foul trouble every single game. Then I think we saw a lot of nerves with the newcomers in not only just Dorka, but AZ Caroline, I think Gino called AZ. I want to say timid. Was that the word he used? It was something along those lines. And then Nika, I don't know. I, am not overly concerned that Nika is not dominating. I, I think that's kind of who Nika is. She probably needs a little more stability around her and what she does doesn't really come up in the statute either. So I'm not all that concerned about her. So I think there's a lot of factors in play that kind of make it difficult for UConn step to have played out well against Arkansas It's definitely something that needs to improve, but I thought in the first half, we really saw how it's going to go throughout the season. Gino played all nine players that we thought were going to be in the rotation in the first half. And then the second half, he really shortened the bench and only played the ones that he thought were going to help them out there. So it was those three players in Beckers, Williams and Westbrook, the entire half, he had a five guard going lineup going at one point with who was it? It was AZ and Nika. I want to say Mm -hmm. he had, Aaliyah Edwards out there with four fouls so I think that was a really good look about how Gino is going to approach having so many players and I think we're going to see a lot more throughout the season the bench contributing everyone else besides those three guards contributing I don't feel like this is necessarily the exception to the rule but I think we're gonna more often than not we're gonna see a deep group of contributors from UConn on a night in night out basis than three players combining for 67 of 95 points.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm not overly concerned. I think the Nerves probably played a big part of it Even because even, you know, Aaliyah and Nika too, like this is the first time other than the exhibition game, which doesn't really count that they've played in front of a true crowd. And there was a lot of people in the Excel center on Sunday. It's definitely a new experience. So you've got that added factor as well. I and mean, the freshman and is just going to take a little time to adjust. And I think ultimately it's going to be fine. And we're going to see more consistent contributions from everyone as we move on with the season.
0: I think we're probably going to see, if I had to predict, we're going to see a good game early in the season out of one of the three bigs every single night. I feel like that might be a little bit of a rotating cast just because as I mentioned earlier, living and at leah just can't keep themselves out of foul trouble right now. So I think it's almost a guarantee that one of those two is going to get themselves on the bench early. And then I don't have a ton of confidence that Dork is going to be able to put in the type of performance that she had in the exhibition every single night, just because we haven't seen it. And it kind of is the same thing as it is with Kristen and the way she's playing, where she looked really good in the exhibition. She looked really good against Arkansas. I'm still not fully confident that we're going to see that every single night. I'm believing more and more that we will, but until it happens, I'm not going to believe it. So I think it's going to be one of those three bigs. I think Nika's probably going to play a similar amount of minutes every single night. Caroline, I could very much see being hit or miss every game, depending on just how she does early. But AZ, I think AZ is the one where I just can't imagine her only having seven points, not hitting well from three and just being mostly a non-factor. I think this is going to be most certainly above everything else. A, An outlier performance. I think she needed to get those nerves out of the way. And once she starts getting into the flow of things and seeing the ball go through the hoop and those sorts of things, I think that's when she's going to start to come alive. So I, I'm still very high on AZ. All this is after one game and an exhibition game. So everything comes with a grain of salt, but of everyone who didn't play well, I feel most confidence that AZ is going to be the one that proves this is an one-off more than anyone.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think it says a lot that even though she wasn't having the best game, Gino still left her in there most of the second half. Like, she was on the court pretty much as much as anyone other than Paige, Vina, and Kristen. So she saw significant minutes, which I think speaks to Gino's confidence in her early on, even though she wasn't having the best night. So I agree. I don't think this is going to be consistently what we see from AZ. I think it's, it's going to get better. But I really think that kind of applies across the board, as you alluded yeah. to. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, you can't take that much from one game. I think in general, it's like, there's only so much you can take. It's one outing, it's one game, it's one opponent, and we'll see things change as we go on.
0: Yeah, these first games are always so tough because every single second you want to feel like you're learning a million things. Feel the way that you felt in the NCAA tournament where you know this entire team inside and out. You know every single player. You know what they're going to bring every single night there's still so many unknowns on this team. It's going to get into the second game of the season, third game. And all of a sudden these performances are going to start to blend together. The trends are going to start to emerge. And I mean, a trend could still be a player doesn't have a trend. They're up, they're down, they're forwards, they're backwards. That's still a trend. So these early games, we just want to read everything into them and, I mean, to a certain degree, we have to, because that's all we know, but it's going to change. We're going to see different things. And I don't know, what do you think is going to be a point where we start to get a decent sense of where this team stands? I'm kind of feeling like that Notre Dame game, maybe a game or two after that, somewhere in that range, I think it's all going to not come together, but we're just going to get a better sense of what this team looks like, who that can really be counted on, who might be a little more inconsistent. and just how everything flows.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think by that Notre Dame game or the one the following week in the UCLA game is kind of when we're going to see it. Cause you're going to see three games back to back this coming weekend at the battle for Atlantis. And then they've got a couple more games before that Notre Dame game. I think. Oh no, sorry. Just one more. So Seton hall before that Notre Dame game. And, oh, that's right. Notre Dame and then UCLA as well. So some quality opponents in there throughout kind of the next few weeks. So enough time to kind of get things together and to see where things are at. I would say by the UCLA game.
0: Yeah. And I think that UCLA game is going to be a great measuring stick for this team because Arkansas was just receiving boats in the top 25. They played UConn even over the last, I think it was 35 minutes. UConn went on a 17 to two run. Arkansas fought back and it was 78-78 the rest of the game after that 72, 17-2 to run. So it's not like Arkansas was one of the best teams in the country. UCLA is going to be a good test. Obviously, South Carolina or Oregon, assuming it's South Carolina and Atlantis, that's going to be a really good test. Even Seton Hall is going mm-hmm. to be just a good opportunity for this team, even though they lost to Fordham by a lot. really makes our prediction look good from last week.
1: Oh yeah. Really does. I'm feeling really great about all my seat hall takes right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested to see how this team unfolds, but just to get back to the depth, UConn's really going to have to use its bench this weekend because you do have a bit of a nice gap after this tournament where you're not going to play for, what is it like two weeks almost to, from the, uh, the, End of the Atlantis game to the Seton Hall game. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it is close to two weeks. So their last game will be on from the tournament is Monday, the 22nd. And then they don't play again until Seton Hall on December 3rd, which is Friday. So not quite two weeks, but very close to it.
0: Yeah. So you do have the rest after, but I don't know, playing Paige Beckers, three games in a row, all 40 minutes or close to it. I think this Minnesota game needs to be a blowout, and I think it should be, but you really gotta manage Paige's minutes, Kristen's minutes, Avena's minutes in that one. Make sure they don't play a ton. I think UCF slash Syracuse, it'll be or sorry, USF slash Syracuse, it'll be USF because no, Syracuse isn't real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that one you could probably start getting them out at the end of the fourth quarter and then. You're going to want to be fresh for South Carolina. It's not like the last time they played in the Virgin islands in 2017. I believe it was maybe 2018. I think it was 2018 where they played three crappy teams in a row. No, you're going to want to be ready to go for that third one. And that's going to be the one you're most fatigued for. And obviously South Carolina will be too, but it's going to be really important to manage minutes and It's also going to be really important that the bench does contribute and that you can count on AZ for scoring and that Liv and Aaliyah aren't constantly in foul trouble and that Dork is contributing and all of that. So we should see a lot of the bench this weekend, whether or not they deserve to be out there. I think those are going to be two different things.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think especially in that Minnesota game, like you said, that should be a blowout. I don't, like, I think we're going to see a lot of minutes, maybe even some further into the bench beyond the kind of nine player rotation there um I expect you could see that in Saturday's game and then Sunday's game I think too like UConn should have a big advantage in the paint they should be able to give their guards some rest I think South Florida is a good team but I don't expect UConn to have trouble with them so hopefully they can get some rest for people in the fourth quarter in that one as well South Florida is just the old version of DePaul every (laughs) single year
0: people would be like oh man Is this the year South Florida actually gives UConn a run for their money? South Florida is the one that could potentially upset UConn this year. And then UConn wins like 84 to 20. Yeah. (laughs) Every single time. Same thing happens with DePaul. I guess a couple of years ago, DePaul was a little closer, but yeah. So I'm not worried about USF. Yeah. I mean, they do have
1: a good team. Like, I think, I don't think they're going to win 84 to 20, but I do don't think it'll be particularly close. I do think that one's a little interesting in that they're, I don't think they have quite as much offense as Arkansas, but their style is a little bit similar. They're a smaller lineup. They're not going to be posting up much. It's going to be kind of a little bit similar to what they saw at Arkansas. So can they make some defensive adjustments that we didn't see necessarily in that Arkansas game?
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of the defense, The Huskies gave up 90 points last season in the loss in Fayetteville. They gave up 80 points at the XL center to an Arkansas team that didn't have Chelsea Dungy or destiny Slocum. And was also really the exact same UConn team that finished the NCAA tournament while adding some pieces, not what you want. What did you think of the defense?
1: Yeah, it was not good, obviously. Yeah. Do I think I'm concerned about it? No, but it was not good.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not hitting the panic button, but it's definitely not good, obviously, but the, the, I just don't know exactly what the solution is besides the players playing better. And that sounds really easy, but I don't know how well that plays out in reality, because I don't know. It's just it feels like something that should be really easy to fix, but might take a little bit of time to get going for the players to gel on that side of the ball. Maybe we need to see Nika on the court more. If the defense doesn't improve, maybe she can help in that regard. I just, it's it's something that I think I have my finger starting to go near the panic button. It's not hovering over on it, hovering over it. It's not touching it. It's not getting ready to press it. But I don't know. It's Okay, we're one game into the season, but you include the exhibition game, it's really a bad start for this defense and maybe they prove us wrong against Minnesota and the other teams in Atlantis and they just totally dominate on defense with a full week of practice. I don't really see it. I think they're going to have to win some shootouts. They're going to have to win a shootout against South Carolina, really. And it could be some other high-scoring games down in the Bahamas. Yeah, I could see that.
1: I the reason I'm not overly concerned is because like I mean, like you said, this team is the team that there was last season plus some other pieces. And we know that that team that there was last season is better defensively than this. So we didn't necessarily see that. I'm like not concerned about the exhibition game at all because it's an exhibition game. Um, We didn't see that against Arkansas. Not great that we didn't see it, but I think we know it's there. So I'm not as concerned.
0: It's there, but how long is it going to take to get there? You don't have a ton of room for error. I mean, you lose to South Carolina. That's not the end of the world, Mm -hmm. but you get to Seton hall, an offense that we saw last year could score a lot of points on you when Lauren park lane scored, what was it? 23, 28. Did she get into the thirties? I think she had a 31
1: or something, something for 30. I'm pretty sure.
0: Then Andre Espinosa, Hunter on that team. That's a good offensive team. Notre Dame. No, but then Mm -hmm. UCLA, that could be tough. So, the defense needs to be a lot better, even just against Minnesota. It won't kill them against Minnesota, but I'd like to see some progress against Minnesota. I'd like to see some more progress against USF. One thing I was thinking about, I haven't rewatched the game. I was planning on doing that today, ran out of time, hopefully going to do it tomorrow. How much do you think Olivia Nelson and Dota not being in the lane a whole lot affected them? Because Arkansas had, I want to say it was 42 points in the paint. Most of those, if not all of those, were off the drive, off the dribble, beating the perimeter defender and getting inside. If you have Olivia Nelson Adota there to protect the rim, to block shots, is it a different story or does it not really matter?
1: I think it's, it's somewhat of a different story. And I thought we saw her, and it didn't last, but I thought she started off the game really well on the defensive end and then it kind of fell apart, but it did with the fouls and everything too. But I did think she started off well on the defensive end. And we I mean, the first quarter, they played well defensively, or at least Arkansas didn't score a lot of points. So I do think that her being out not being out there contributes to it. I also think Gino had an interesting quote after the game about how it was just a bad matchup for the bigs in general, because they didn't really have anyone on the other team that they're posting up inside. So it's kind of a confusing matchup for the bigs because you're inside, but there's no one really inside. And then if there's two of them out there, like, who are you really guarding when you've got kind of five players that are really playing on the perimeter? So I feel like that might have played into it some as well, just a little bit of confusion about how best to operate the defense with that setup. So maybe just a bad matchup for them in general too.
0: Yeah, which I think happens and could be a bit of an issue throughout the entire season because it's not like a ton of teams in the Big East have size. So I think that's going to be an area where they have to improve. I do want to talk about Liv a little bit because I have a very interesting take on her performance. So I don't think she was good. That's not what I'm trying to say here, but I was, I was encouraged by her performance because what's the number one thing that we've heard from Gino about why Liv struggles. It's that she doesn't have the mental toughness. She lets one mistake turn into two mistakes, turn into three mistakes. If she starts facing some adversity, she just shuts down. She quits. She didn't play well against Arkansas, but she didn't let that affect her. She would turn the ball over on one end, but she would then come down, make a defensive play, or grab a tough rebound, and then she would just call for the ball in the next play. And even if she turned it over again, I'm not really concerned about the result as much as what she was trying to do and the fact that she didn't let it snowball on her. She just continued playing, continued fighting through, And I thought that was a really, really positive development in her game. How much that really helps her throughout the season, we still have to see because if she can't stay out of foul trouble and she's traveling three times a game and she's still making mistakes, having that resiliency only goes so far, but the resiliency is the main thing she's been lacking. So she has that down. The mistakes are a lot more fixable. There's going to be less of them it's going to be less of a problem. So I was really, really encouraged by just the way that she played and the way that she fought through everything on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that's something we've really seen in the past. So that was positive to see, Um, but agree that, I mean, she didn't have a great game, but at least she saw that. And I think that goes a long way, even going into next weekend, like she's going to have a tough game against South Carolina. It's, It's just, it's a hard matchup for any bigs, really honestly, like South Carolina's, Front court is probably the best in the country. It's, no one's going to have an easy time against that. But if she can at least be resilient and not get frustrated and let that affect her play, that'll go a long way in that game.
0: Yeah, it's going to be she doesn't have to win the matchup. She just can't lose it. Just keep your head above water. I feel like we're going to see a lot of if they can do to foul trouble. I think we're going to see two bigs in a lot of the times and they're going to be doubling Aaliyah a ton. And it's basically going to be a matter of beat us with anyone who's not Aaliyah, which I think, look, if South Carolina can win that game with Aaliyah getting, I don't know what, 10 and 10? Does that seem reasonable? Then I think you just tip your cap and say, good job. Like, I don't know how much more you can ask for at that point.
1: Yeah, I'm actually very interested just in seeing that game because I don't really understand what they've been doing with Aaliyah for the first two games. She played 16 minutes against South Dakota, like I'm just confused and <laughs> highly confused with what the game plan is. So I'm, I'm very interested to see um, what happens in that game. But I agree, if you if they beat you without Aaliyah Boston going off, then they beat you. But I think you got to try to limit her. Which Don Staley might do for you, so that that works too,
0: <laughs> Don <Dawn laughs> Staley's actually been very good at doing that the last two seasons,
1: yeah, I just not to knock Don Staley because, like she is a very good coach, but it just makes no sense to me. I can't wrap my head around it. She is your best player. Why do you not use her as such?
0: I would just like to say that this is a safe space, and you can always feel free to knock Don Staley on here. <laughs> always. Yeah. I mean Whenever. 16
1: minutes your best player played 16 minutes she had two fouls it's not like she was in foul trouble I just I don't understand. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's really mind-boggling. Can you imagine? I mean, Paige would probably like throw a chair onto the court if you yes. know tried to only play her 16 <laughs> minutes but I just can't even imagine.
1: Even in the game with NC State on opening night, there was like a long stretch where she was on the bench and she wasn't playing particularly great, but I mean, she's still Leah Boston, like she's still better than everyone else on the floor. So it was kind of surprised because especially there were some times where NC State was starting to make it a little close and I'm like, NC State is making this like within reach for themselves and yet you still have Aaliyah Boston on the bench? Like what is happening? <laughs>
0: That almost without knowing anything and just purely speculating here, that almost feels like it's Don Staley trying to send a message to Aaliyah.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe that's all it is, but I mean, yeah, she's still only played 26 minutes in that game where you know Zia Cook played 36 minutes. That make it make sense. I don't know.
0: <laughs> right. Like maybe Don Staley's not happy with the way she's practicing, or she's not happy with whatever or she's just not happy with the way that Aaliyah is executing out on the floor something. I don't know what it could be, but that is kind of what it feels like when there's no other logical reason not to have your best player out there is maybe Dawn feels that there's a next step that Aaliyah is right there and she's, she can see it. And Aaliyah with what she's doing, whatever it is, is limiting herself from getting to that next level. So I don't know that that is a playbook out of Gina Wierama's coaching <laughs> manual. Maybe Don's using it. I have no idea. I'm just making that up, but it. I I just don't know what other logical explanation there would be.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on that. I'm not really sure what's going on.
0: <laughs> going into this Arkansas game, I think I can say with confidence that two players had a performance that we expected. Paige, I don't think we expected her to score 34 points. Kristen, great. 18 points, played a lot, looked as good as she has recently. Really positive, encouraging performance. Avina Westbrook was really kind of what we talked about in the preseason. Can she do what she did last year, but better? I think this was pretty much the perfect encapsulation of this performance. So she had 16 points eight rebounds, five assists, and made three of five from three. Three of UConn's five three-pointers were from Avina Westbrook. So not only did she do everything, she provided outside shooting that nobody else on the team could provide. If you get anywhere close to the Savina Westbrook every single night, you're doing really well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just your typical but better Avina Westbrook's stat line in that she did a little bit of everything, or in this case, kind of a lot of bit of everything, but just a really solid game from her. And I think, yeah, if she keeps playing like this, that makes UConn just so much better.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to overreact to her shooting, but she is now six for nine on the season from behind the three-point line, including the exhibition game. I just don't feel super confident that she's not going to be a streaky shooter and she's not going to go into an over 17 stretch, but she did say that three point shooting and being consistent and being confident in that shot was a point of emphasis for her over the off season though. The, so the fact that she has started out, well, that's a positive sign and not to state the obvious, but it's better for her to be making those shots than for her to not be making those shots. So the stretch where she can't hit anything could still be coming. But at the same time, the fact that she's hitting them now means maybe this is actually just who she is. Not a 75% three-point shooter, but if she's, I think, what was the number that we gave? 40% if Venus shooting around 40%, UConn's in business from the three-point line.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I, think, I mean, time will tell whether it's tricky or not, but I think she does look a lot more confident in her shot out there. So I think that's saying something too, that she might be a better three-point shooter than she was last year.
0: Yeah, I think Avina overall just looks a lot more confident. Mm -hmm. She just looks very composed. And I mean, not that she didn't look rattled, that she looked rattled last season, but she just seems to have a very good tempo about her and a very good feel of what to do on the court, when to do it, all that sort of stuff. So I think there's, I don't think there's any reason to believe we're not going to see that Avina every single night.
1: Exactly. I agree. I think we're kind of going to see that until... I see something that's otherwise, but I, I expect it to be a consistent thing, just like she was consistently kind of did a bit of everything last year. I think it's just going to be that, but more.
0: Yeah. At a different level, because (laughs) there were a lot of nights where she didn't score or she didn't get many rebounds or she didn't have a ton of assists or she didn't hit from three, which was fine. She still obviously was really good last season, but maybe that next level is she's doing all those things consistently or she's doing three out of four of those things consistently. And it's just a little more stability game to game where she's still doing everything, but it's everything, not just whatever the team needs. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's play a little game, one exhibition and one regular season game. And everything that we're talking about is an overreaction, everything. (laughs) So let's put some numbers on the overreactions with a concern level. Starting with the defense, 1-10, to where's your concern at?
1: Like a 2. Like I said, I'm not super concerned. I think we know this team is better defensively. It might take a few games to figure it out, but I'm I'm just not concerned.
0: Long-term, like for the NCAA tournament, yeah, I think I'd be with you. I'd be at like a 2. Short-term, mostly just looking at the battle for Atlantis in the next couple weeks, I think I might be at a 7. I I just don't have a lot of confidence that this team is going to turn it around quickly defensively. And it almost feels like they're going to need another Arkansas in January performance in order to really kick it into gear and get things going. Unless Nika Buell starts playing a bigger role or unless AZ Fud starts showing up defensively a little more, or unless Liv can stay on the floor and block some more shots. I don't, I just think it's going to take some time for this team to get there.
1: I don't know if I feel that way. I think one thing that struck me on Sunday after the game is Kristen and Avina both kind of expressed that they were not happy with the defensive performance. So I think they already kind of recognized that they didn't lose this game, but like, it wasn't good that they allowed 80 points. And I also think in like battle for Atlantis, even if they played horrible defense, I don't know that it matters until South Carolina. So if they lose that game, like it's not that big of a deal to lose that game.
0: Right. But it's still, I don't know, I I still, if you're losing that game, because of your defense, I feel like that's almost sort of a preventable loss. And as we've seen in the past, that one, two, sometimes three losses, anywhere in that number can knock UConn kind of off the one line, depending on how the rest of the country kind of pans out, because of how weak their conference is compared to the SEC and the Pac-12. And I guess, to a lesser degree the big 12. So not that anyone from the big 12 is going to be much of a threat in that regard. Even if you just show enough progress defensively and lose that game, I don't know, 71 to 70 or something like that. I don't think I would be all that concerned with that, but it's if South Carolina is winning 80 to 75 or 85 to 80 or somewhere in that range, I think that's going to be really, really, really concerning in my eyes.
1: Yeah. I suppose. I don't know. I don't know that I'm still too worried about that. <laughs> I think it'll be enough of a kick in the pants if they lose it. And like, I don't think there's any issue if they lose to South Carolina. Like, and I don't think that that knocks them off the one line, especially if they win the second one.
0: Yeah, that's true. Especially the second one would be at South Carolina. So in theory, that one holds more weight.
1: Yeah. And also this is just so early. Like, yes, they're starting to schedule on the conference isn't as high, but they're playing enough. I think out of conference this year, I think they got knocked last year because, like, you know, you didn't play all these big non-conference games necessarily that they usually they had scheduled because of COVID. And then I also think there's just kind of an understanding that, like, UConn and South Carolina are the best teams in the country. And if they don't lose to a team other than South Carolina, I, I don't see how you keep them off the one line, even if they lost both to South Carolina. If they're close games, I don't see how you keep them off the one line just for two losses to South Carolina.
0: Right. That's fair. It would also depend on what everyone else is doing, because right. a couple of years ago when they lost three games and ended up as the two and then Lou posted the quote about keep your head high and your middle finger higher. <laughs> that was still a pre- preposterous that they got the two and yes. their excuse was strength of schedule when Mississippi State had a worse, worse strength of schedule than they did. Yeah, that one was preposterous really preposterous i mean
1: anything could happen but if they only lose two games this season and they're both losses to south carolina and they're not like blowout losses i just don't see how you keep them off the one line
0: yeah that's fair well like i said in terms of the ncaa tournament the postseason it's at like a two i don't know maybe maybe it'll be a quicker defensive turnaround than i think it'll be and we'll just totally suffocate minnesota and prove me wrong it's very possible i'm wrong very often
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know about them, but like suffocating Minnesota tells me anything about their defense. But anyway.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just kind of the notion of it's better to be dominating someone bad yes. than to not be dominating them. They didn't yeah. dominate Fort Hayes State. And again, an exhibition, but it was still a division two team.
1: A good division two team, but yeah, still a division two team.
0: <laughs> yeah. So what about the bigs? We'll kind of lump them in together. If you want to discuss them individually, go ahead. But where's your level of concern lie with the bigs as a whole?
1: This one is higher for me just because I think it's like kind of ultimately always been the big question going into the season. So it's a little disappointing to not see something strong from them in the opener, especially against a team that didn't have a lot of size. So they kind of should have dominated a little bit more in the post, in my opinion. I think it's at like a four- And like, I'm trying not to be overly concerned because it's one game and I do still think like the amount of depth that they have is different than what we've seen. And despite the fact that, you know, Dorka didn't play well, she is still like an all big 10, two year selection and things like that. So there's, there's history to provide that, like, they will be better than this. So I'm a little bit concerned because I still think it's a kind of a question this team needs to answer, but I'm not hitting the panic button either.
0: Damn it. You stole my number. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was really set on form. I'm like, oh, I feel very good about four. I'll go three just to be different. I'm not as concerned as maybe I should be. I think, I do think eventually live and Aaliyah start to figure out their foul issues. I don't know if it's going to happen immediately. I can absolutely see one of them ending up on the bench immediately in the Minnesota game. I do think they figure it out. And With Aaliyah, I remember I said after the exhibition that I was a little disappointed in her because she didn't look any different than she did at the end of last season. And it really just hit me recently that, oh, well, duh, that's because she was so much better in the NCAA tournament than she was at the start of the season. So if they get Aaliyah in the NCAA tournament for the entire season, that is a completely different Aaliyah than freshman Aaliyah. So I think in the limited action that we saw with her on the court, On Sunday, UConn was a much, much better team with her out there. She was a really impactful player, even though it didn't come through on the stat line. I think it's the same thing with Liv. They're a better team when she's out there. I think she's going to figure it out. I think there's going to be a point in the season where it clicks for Liv, finally. I don't think we're going to see it right away. I don't think it's going to be this semester. I think it's going to be some point in late January, early February. The switch is finally going to go on. The light bulb's finally going to go on. And we're going to see a different live from that point on. Up until then, I think we're still going to get a little bit of this Jekyll and Hyde where good moments interspersed with bad moments. You never really know what you're going to get out of her until then. And Dorka, I think Dorka's, I'm not worried about her. I think she'll figure it out. I think nerves had a lot to do with it on Sunday. I think nerves might continue to play a little bit of a factor, but. Once she gets settled in, she's going to be a very steady contributor. My all-American Dorka prediction might be a little much, but she's going to help this team a lot. Yeah, I'm not really worried about the bigs. I'd like to see more out of them, but I think they will figure it out this season. At least two out of three of them are going to figure it out this season to the point where UConn will be okay. Yeah,
1: I think that's fair. Also, we didn't talk about it, and I don't know that it really fits here, but I feel like we need to mention that Aaliyah hit a three pointer. That was something I was not Ooh, yeah. expecting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it kind of came out of nowhere too. Like she just got the ball and was like, "You know what? I'm gonna take this," and she yeah, drained it. That was First like what is happening? <laughs> yeah. So that was very promising. Even just the fact that she hit that one, that means until she misses what like ten in a row. Defenses are going to have to go out there and guard her unless they go make it again. Yeah, and if she hits two in a row, then they're going to have to go guard her. So that's still very big, man. If Ali is hitting three pointers by the NCAA tournament, <laughs> don't even play it, just bring UConn the trophy. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what about the freshmen? Because and mostly just talking about AZ and Caroline, because neither of them played all that well in the season opener against Arkansas when both of them looked pretty good against Fort Hayes state. What did they say? It was one through 10, right? Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going zero with the freshmen. I'm not even remotely worried about either of them.
1: Yeah. I was going to go with negative one. So
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always have to one up me, Megan every time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm just not concerned. They'll figure it out. First game, big crowd, big stakes too, knowing that come lost to Arkansas last year. I think it was a lot of just nerves. I, I have zero concerns.
0: Right. And at a certain point when the first run in the first quarter is powered mostly by Kristen, Liv, and Avena, and then Paige starts going off for a bunch of points, I feel like that's a little intimidating to be a freshman where it's like, okay, I shouldn't be the one shooting page. Can't miss right now. Let me get it to Paige. or well, uh, Avina looked really good in the first quarter and she's shooting really well from three. Let me get it to her. I feel like that might've also crept in as Paige started heating up and as the way the game just kind of unfolded like that. So I almost feel like it might be a little more beneficial to start Az just to get her going a little quicker and make her feel, I don't want to say important, but just like, she should be one of the ones taking those early shots and starting out quickly. And it's also just really funny to think that UConn could bring Aliyah Edwards off the bench too. So for both those reasons, I think it might be a decent idea to start AZ just to see if maybe that'll get her going quicker and take the pressure off in a weird way.
1: Yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see, but like I said, just, I'm just not concerned at all. <laughs>
0: This one, I think we're going to have much higher numbers. The free throw shooting. What on earth is happening there?
1: Yeah, my concern on this one is probably more like a five or maybe if it's even higher. I don't know. I just don't understand what's happening. To me, I'm almost like, is something with like Kristen's elbow surgery like affected her free throw shot. And she just needs to practice it more because she missed a lot. I think it was really her. I mean, missed too, but it was really Kristen that missed a lot in that game. And I don't think that's really something we've seen necessarily from Kristen before. So I don't know. Hopefully she figures that out.
0: Yeah. I'm at like an eight for this one. This, this really concerns me because like you said, it was Kristen on Sunday. It was all of the guards in the exhibition. Those are the players that need to be making it. And Kristen specifically, Kristen is going to lead this team in foul shots by a pretty hefty margin, I believe. She goes to the basket a ton. That's a huge part of her game is getting to the rim. You get fouled a lot when you do that. You need to make your free throw shots. And especially if she starts struggling and is hovering around 50%, like where she is now, when she starts driving to the lane, what's going to stop other teams from just hacking her right off the bat, not even letting her get a shot off? Because the odds that you only give up one point doing that are pretty high right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's going to be an issue. So. Hopefully she figures it out. I don't know. Maybe she just needs to to practice them some more or something. Like I said, I don't know. I'm like totally speculating about her elbow, but it's like I don't remember her ever really having a problem with this before. So it would be interesting to see if maybe she just needs to figure that out post-surgery some more. Yeah, she shot 69% last year, which isn't great, great. but it's also not horrible. There was also that like slump during the season where I think like she just struggled to hit any form of shot. So I'm sure that played into it as well. But like down the stretch last season, other than like kind of one game, she was pretty good from the free throw line.
0: Yeah. I mean, if teams start fouling her like that, that could take away a big part of her game, a big part of what UConn does. She, she didn't say it in the post game, but she kind of sat down looked at the stat sheet and said something along the lines of like, we can't do that. So she knows she needs to improve it. I feel pretty good that she's going to be at the free throw line a bunch Still worries me, though, that could easily lose them the South Carolina game very, very easily.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's a lot of cases where it matters that South Carolina game is one where it does.
0: All right. So we'll quickly jump to an ad break and then come back to preview the Battle for Atlantis tournament as a whole. But let's be honest, mostly the South Carolina game. (laughs) So UConn heads down to the Bahamas for the Battle for Atlantis tournament next weekend, this upcoming weekend, I should say. They will open against Minnesota at noon on Saturday. They will play the winner, assuming they win, you know, that caveat, the winner of USF and Syracuse on Sunday, which will be USF. We don't have a time for that, and we just spent about five minutes looking, and we can't find it anywhere, so.
1: I have an update. So it's either at noon or 5 p.m. I can't distinguish which one of those it is, but it will either be noon or 5 p.m.
0: That feels like 5 p.m.
1: Yeah, I would guess so too. I would guess they'd pick the more primetime time time for that game, but we'll see.
0: Okay, so 5 p.m. And then I believe it's a noon game for the... Well, if it's a noon game for the championship, then maybe it would be a noon game...
1: Yeah, maybe it's noon all
0: the way through. For Sunday. Okay, well, it's either noon or 5. There you go. (laughs) For USF. And then probably South Carolina on Monday. It could be Oregon... I don't think I would be shocked if it was Oregon, but it's probably South Carolina.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that, especially because Oregon has some injuries. I think they might be getting some of those players back before this tournament, but I would be pretty shocked, I think, if it's not South Carolina. So
0: I don't think we need to talk too much about Minnesota. That's going to be a really easy win for UConn. They're not very good. No disrespect to Lindsey Whalen. Not a good team. USF, former conference mate, Good coach in Jose Fernandez, good guy in Jose Fernandez. What do you know about them?
1: Yeah, I mean, they just gave Tennessee a tough run for their money last night. We talked recruiting in this on Tuesday, so Monday night, they gave Tennessee a rough – a tough run for their money. Um, I mean, a team that can hit a lot of threes, which always makes a team dangerous. They still have Sydney Harvey, who I'm pretty sure UConn has played against in the past back in the – AAC get days. So she's still kind of the focal point of their offense, but once again, they've got a lot of international players, um, a lot of depth. So it'll be interesting, smaller lineup, like I said earlier. So a little bit similar to Arkansas and that it's going to be more offense coming from the perimeter, less kind of inside. UConn should have an advantage in the paint. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of take advantage of that a little bit more.
0: Speaking of USF, Do you think Kitty Alaksa still has nightmares about Kia Nurse? Probably. (laughs) I would be surprised if she didn't. Those were some of the most dominant defensive performances I've ever seen. Yeah. (laughs) I don't miss the AAC. I do miss the yearly, the not even yearly, the three times a year Mm -hmm. matchups against USF. Those were always, there was always something that happened in them. I think Nafisa Collier dropped 40 or 39 in a regular season finale one time Katie Lou Samuelson's 10 for 10 three point performance happening against USF they tied the what was it 90 game win streak <laughs> back in 2017 against USF and then they broke it the next game against SMU always something that would happen against USF so I I imagine that one eventually gets back on the schedule because I know when they left the Big East, Gino said how they want to have a game in Florida because they would have so many fans come to the South Florida game because so many fans had moved from Connecticut down to Florida. So I feel (laughs) like that one eventually gets back on the schedule, especially with how close Gino and Jose Fernandez are.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that comes back eventually. So hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah, I, I expect that we'll be seeing it
0: let's just assume it's South Carolina in the final so that we don't preview two teams. It feels like a pretty safe bet that it'll be them, but they had Raven Johnson, one of their top recruits this season, a freshman announced that she's going to be out for the season with an injury. I asked you about it earlier and you compared it to UConn losing Caroline Ducharm for the season. So someone who definitely would have played would have made an impact, but not one of their key players. So just how much does this injury really affect him? And then what have you seen from South Carolina so far this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, it takes a hit to their depths in the backcourt for sure. It sucks that she's out. And I think it probably, maybe more so for them, like long-term picture takes a little bit of hit to just her development this season as a freshman going into next year. But so far she's kind of been playing at the, like ninth spot in their rotation. Honestly, they've only played two games. So take from that what we will, maybe her role would have grown over the course of the season. But to me right now, at least it feels like kind of just a hit to their depth. It would have been nice to have her as another option off the bench. They lose that, but they still have two other top five freshmen as well. So I think the overall picture in terms of South Carolina as a championship contender this year doesn't really change with this injury. It's obviously very unfortunate, but don't think it changes the outlook for them all that much. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. And then Undefeated to start the year, but had a little bit of trouble with NC State to start the year, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the game was closer than I expected to. I think we've kind of opened up with this idea that South Carolina, UConn, and Stanford are just kind of a little bit of a step ahead of everyone else. It didn't necessarily feel like that so much in the NC State game, but it's also an opening night game and top five matchup. So, I mean, they still come up with a 10 point win. So, not much negative to take from that.
0: Okay. So, obviously, Aaliyah Boston, very big concern for UConn's bigs. Aside from her, what other areas should UConn be looking out for?
1: I like what I've seen from their backcourt so far this season. I think Zaya Cook is playing at a level that I don't know that we've really seen from her in the past. I think she's making smart decisions on when she's taking shots. She's been aggressive driving to the rim. Um, so I think that's going to be an interesting defensive assignment for UConn's backcourt. Um, probably Kristen Williams, um, but. Yeah, she's a player that I think looks a lot better this season than she has in the past. And they do have Destiny Henderson, too, experienced point guard. She, to me, is less of a threat than a cook, but still a player that you've got to keep an eye on, is capable of knocking down three. She's hitting them pretty well so far this season. It's a player, I think, in the past that's been a little streaky from three, maybe more due to shot selection than anything else. But she's hitting them well so far to start the season, so someone they definitely need to keep an eye on. Um. In the backcourt. And then in addition to Leah Boston, they now have Camila Cardoso, who Yukon faced in the second round of the NCAA tournament last year. She was on Stan- or on Syracuse's roster, transferred in the offseason to South Carolina. The role she seems to be playing so far has been more of she's in when Boston is on the bench. So we might not see as much of her boston side by side, which I think would be really tough for Yukon but that doesn't seem to be something they're doing a whole lot of so far. So maybe a good sign for UConn there and that they're probably not going to have to face Cardoso in Boston together. Um, but then they've got a couple other kind of wings, bigs that are playing well as well. Um, Victoria Saxon has been great for them. And then not so much on the wing, but well kind of on the wing where she plays as the guard, Bria Bale has also been fantastic. So just a lot of probably names that you remember from last year's game, a lot of experience on this roster. That's just a year better now
0: i think i'm gonna officially predict a loss in that south carolina game i just i think uconn will be fine i'm not concerned about them long term but i just think they have too many problems that need to be fixed in the short term in order to beat a team like south carolina
1: yeah i kind of agree but i could see it going either way i think you know south carolina's one of those problems maybe aren't as pronounced and that they just be a top five team in mc state but there's some things from them that haven't looked great so far. They had a ton of turnovers in the first half versus MC state, which I was happy to attribute to just being, you know, first game jitters, but then they went out and had 20 turnovers against South Dakota in their second game. So something to keep an eye on. They've also just planned playing like a lot of one-on-one basketball. I think their assisted turnover ratio is like 0.6 right now, which is not great. So <laughs> um, they, they've got things to work on too. So I think two really good teams, but also two teams that, have some areas that definitely need work
0: nothing you want more than the two best teams in the country playing <laughs> at noon on a monday
1: yeah <laughs> ridiculous i like such 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 a missed opportunity to not have this be like a 7 p.m prime time game
0: i don't understand what's preventing the tournament from having it then
1: yeah there like i can't imagine there's 500 other games that are being played in atlantis on monday like,
0: <laughs> right the men's tournament doesn't start until later that week right exactly yeah
1: so i don't know i guess they are i think supposed to play on espn so it was probably an espn issue but i would have rather seen them on like espn 2 or something at 7 p.m
0: come on you're telling me that on a monday night Lips come state versus Campbell's going to be trying a bigger crowd or is that really viewership?
1: what is on ESPN? cannon? Oh my God. That makes
0: me angry. No, 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 no. I oh, just okay. made up two of the most random teams. That
1: I, think of. I assume there's some kind of big men's matchup, which like this game, I still, I mean, it's one versus two. It is like as big as it gets, but I was assuming there must be some kind of like ranked men's matchup that is taking precedence.
0: I have my doubts. I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule. It <laughs> i I've been around too long to know that it would i wouldn't put it past e s p n to pull something like that, yeah, fair. does that mean we get Rebecca lobo on this game?
1: I hope so. i don't know i i can't imagine they're going to put it on e s p n and then settle for the flow sports and because that would be a travesty that would be why they're putting on it at noon if that's happening but um yeah, I would have to imagine that we would get if not Rebecca Lobo, some form of your typical ESPN women's basketball cover um, announcing teams.
0: It's besides the point, but also I just feel like Rebecca probably deserves a free trip to the Bahamas. Oh
1: yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Unfortunately, we're not going. That's why Monday night football is on ESPN on Monday. (laughs) Oh, well, but
0: put it on. Oh, the stupid Manning brothers are on ESPN too. ABC, stick it on ABC Monday. There night. we go. <laughs> no, they definitely have some primetime show. Yeah. <laughs> they could take a week off. They can move their stuff back a week. I also,
1: like football actually starts at eight. So why don't we cut some of the like two hour Monday countdown show and play <laughs> women's basketball?
0: <laughs> play it at five, two hour game. You get a full hour of Monday NFL countdown. There you go.
1: There we go.
0: Unfortunately, we're not going to the Bahamas. That didn't work out. Very sad about it. Very, very sad about it, especially because we probably could have squeezed a few extra days for Thanksgiving. Alas, you can follow Megan on Twitter from home at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Tell a friend. Subscribe to the Yukon Women's Basketball Weekly. Read the Yukon blog. Megan, Red Taylor's edition came out. I need your review right now.
1: Like 11 out of 10. So good. I have listened to the 10 minute version of all too well more times than I would care to admit.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I am, I like Taylor Swift. I would not say I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. And that's mostly just because I haven't listened to a ton besides her hits, but I've been listening to red and after seeing so much about this 10 minute version of all too well, constantly on Twitter from every single woman that I follow. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I need to listen to first All Too Well, the normal version, and then I need to listen to the All Too Well 10 minute version. I understand. <laughs> I understand the hype now. I'm fully yeah. on board with it.
1: I mean, Red is the best Taylor Swift album. And if you think otherwise, you are incorrect. So, <laughs> the fact that you've got like an extended version of it, plus, I feel like All Too Well is a song that's never been like a radio hit, but it's just a cult favorite. So now it's 10 minutes long. It, it's so good.
0: I will say I kind of prefer the originals on, like, the hits
1: on that album. Honestly, like, I feel like you have to concentrate to notice the difference, so I support her getting her, be able to have the rights to everything. Oh,
0: 100%. Yeah. I fully support it. That was just my one thing is, like, overall, the album sounds really good, but yeah, I just like the originals a little more. That's fair.
1: they're so so similar though
0: right well i i do like the taylor's version of wildest dreams she dropped that one somewhat recently right that one's almost like a carbon copy of the original so you wouldn't know and then you belong with me and love story off is that fearless
1: yeah that's fearless
0: yeah those ones are very similar i like the taylor's versions better on both those two so
1: Yeah, I also just like all these like from the vault songs that she keeps digging up. That is very
0: cool. Yeah. I haven't listened to the full thing, but I'm planning on slowly making my way through it. And I also plan on diving into her full discography a little more because I'm in a bit of a music rut. So I'm very excited to announce that Taylor Swift will be filling that void.
1: (laughs) Yes, so good. Her like new stuff that she put out during the pandemic is really good too. You can skip Reputation. That's the one I would skip. (laughs) I
0: have no use for that album. (laughs) Are you talking uh, Folklore and Evermore? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I haven't listened to either of those. So one of my friends is a huge Taylor Swift fan and a couple weeks ago while she was at work she ranked every single taylor swift song and every single taylor swift album
1: oh damn
0: so (laughs) i was with my sister and she's a big taylor swift fan so i showed my sister the list and her response was yeah my list would probably be the exact opposite of this (laughs) so very excited to dive into it and start to
1: build my own list (laughs) yeah should be fun i'm just now waiting for her to announce that she's going on tour my friends and I are joking that like there is no budget when she goes on tour it's just like we will spend whatever we have to spend
0: I would go see Taylor Swift yeah (laughs) I don't I think personally I would have a budget on what I'd be willing to spend to see Taylor Swift but if it was reasonable I would go see Taylor Swift I would deal with the thousands the hundreds of thousands of screaming (laughs) girls to go see Taylor Swift and I can't say I'd say that about many artists (laughs) Anyways, that'll do it from us. Thanks for listening.